the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Someone could be listening to you as you're sharing Christ, and they're like, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. But then God will bring it back to them that night when they're laying in bed. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We'll be in Exodus chapter 10, and I entitled this message, Not Seeing It. Have you ever noticed in life that sometimes we're the last ones to see something? Like everyone else sees what we can't see. Like when we're young, you know, we thought we knew everything. And our parents, well, they tried to warn us. They tried to stop us from going down certain roads and paths. But many times we just dismissed all their warnings. We thought, what could they know? They're as old as a goat. You know, I'm young. I know everything. (laughs) It's like, and that's what we said. Right before we crashed and burned (laughs) and fell into the very trap that they said we would fall into. I remember this one time after being warned by my parents many times about playing with matches. Don't play with matches. Don't play with fire. But I was looking at this one, you know, car that I had in my little car collection. You know, I uh, Hot Wheels cars, I think, came out in like 1967 or 68, something like that. And I started collecting Hot Wheels cars because they were cool. They're still cool today. But anyway, but I had some awesome ones. But I also had some Matchbox cars. Now, Matchbox cars cost way less money and for good reason. They weren't as cool as the Hot Wheel cars. Well, one day I was looking at this particular Matchbox car and I hated this car. It even had gray tires on it. I mean, like, who puts gray tires on a little car? My point exactly. You know, so I thought as an eight-year-old, I thought the only reasonable thing that could happen to this car is to dump a bunch of gasoline on it and set it on fire. (laughs) And so I ran it by my brother, my older brother, and he, of course, said, that's a great idea. So we went outside, we grabbed my dad's gas can for the lawnmower, and we're like, goosh, 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 okay. Then I get the match. We light this thing. It goes up. This thing just like explodes in our face. And then the trail leading to the gas can. And it goes over and the gas can blows up. So me and my brother are standing there. Flames are going 12, 14 feet in the air. And it's right next to the house. So it's up under the eaves of the house. And of course, we're just like, (laughs) just frozen in time. And then my mom comes walking around the corner right then. Okay. And it's like, she comes around the corner, 12, 14 foot high flames. She freaks out. It's like, what is it with you moms? Like, you know, it's a little too quiet. What are those boys doing? It's like, she came out in the nick of time. She freaks out, grabs the hose, comes, she puts it all out. And then it was like those famous words that are etched in my brain. Wait, 
until your father gets home. <laughs> it's like, oh, we were grounded forever. I think my whole eighth year of life was, I was grounded. But anyway, you know, you can imagine it didn't work out so well for me. You know, I should have listened to my parents. I was the last one that could see and realize that playing with fire was not the best thing to do. And there's many other things in life that can bring on more trouble than we could ever imagine, like in the many areas of compromise that surround us all. Have you ever wondered at what point does compromise hurt us? Well, before we can totally understand when compromise does hurt us, let us first understand what compromise is. The dictionary defines compromise in two completely different ways. The first can be a very good thing, while the second can be a very bad thing. See, the first compromise can be good, like when two people cannot agree on what to do. This happens in marriage all the time, okay? The husband wants to make a purchase that is completely and totally reasonable. He wants to put new wheels and tires on the car. I mean, that's reasonable. (laughs) Yes, that's one woman that has ran into this, okay? And it's like, and for some reason, the wife is saying, Have you lost your mind? And of course, the husband says, why? Completely oblivious. Because she says, we need a new couch in the living room. And the husband thinks to himself, what a royal waste of money. We already have a couch in the living room. Not thinking we already have wheels and tires on the car, but that's a whole other story. But that's when the wife reminds him that when you sit down in the couch, you sink about a foot down and the material is completely wore out. So that's when a good compromise plan comes in. Well, why don't we buy a new living room set first, then we'll get the custom wheels and tires when we save money for the next thing. Okay, that's a good compromise. But then there's the bad compromise. That's when we ourselves allow a weakening of our principles, meaning we know what we should do, we know what is right, but yet we just don't do it. This is where the devil steps in. And he brings us to a place where we have a choice to do what we know is right, to do that which our own conscience tells us to be true, or we do what we know is wrong. And this could include lying, cheating, blame shifting, going into the world's loss. It it could mean so many things. It's anything that we know is wrong. Sometimes we are the last ones to see obvious compromise in our own lives. I remember a few years ago, you know, I was reading this article on Beyonce and, you know, she was being interviewed by Barbara Walters because Beyonce was one of her top 10 fascinating people of the year. So Barbara Walters is interviewing her, you know, and she says this, quote, Barbara Walters, I hear that you have Christian values. How do you dress and dance so provocatively and still profess Christian values? And this is what Beyonce replied. She says, well, when I'm on stage, I make, I'm a music artist. But when, you know, I'm off a stage, I have a personal relationship with God, end quote. So we see this with movie actors and actresses and all this. And, you know, they'll win an award and they'll thank God. And you're thinking, this is a total hellion here. You know, this person's a party animal. And then they get up there and accept their award. Oh, I thank God for this. And you're thinking like, okay, where's the disconnect here? 
See, so I think a lot of people have done this same thing. You know, they, they have a compromise in their life. This is a classic example of it. It would be like us saying, well, you know, at work, Monday through Friday, you know, I'm going to act like everybody else. I'm going to tell dirty jokes. Maybe uh, if you're a girl, you dress provocatively because there's some guys there that you kind of like, you know, or maybe guys will be looking and scamming on the women at work and whatever. You do just whatever seems right in your own eyes and you fall into all kinds of enticements because, well, it's just work, okay? Or maybe you have a different set of rules when you go on vacation, you know, and you just kind of do your own thing. You know, when me and my wife go on vacation, it's like we're trying to do the same thing you're trying to do. We're trying to relax. We're trying to go to new places. You know, we do the same thing that you do. But it doesn't change our Christian walk. We don't change anything about the way that we live. In fact, you know, whenever we go on vacation, we always go to church on Sunday. My wife will scope out churches in whatever state we're in, whatever area in, whatever country we're in. You know, we always go to church. And during the week, you know, while we're on vacation, we get up before we go hiking or this or whitewater rafting or whatever we might do. It's like we always do our devotions first. So nothing changes with our spiritual life when we go on vacation. But as we continue in this study now through the book of Exodus, we saw the hand of God continue to bring hardship and disaster upon Egypt. God brought a plague on their livestock and he brought boils on their own bodies. And then God sent thunder, hail, and fire all down upon Egypt. Egypt. Now, that's kind of a crazy thing because hail is like ice and fire is fire, but yet he brought them both down on upon the Egyptians, which caused Pharaoh to say, I have sinned. You think, wow, this guy's finally broken here. He says, I'm a wicked man and the Lord is righteous. Yet, right after he said that, he hardened his heart and he did not let God's people go. Let's read together here, picking up in Exodus chapter 10, We'll start in verse 1. So it says in Exodus 10, 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may perform these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandsons how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Verse three, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. They shall cover the surface of the land so that no one will be able to see the land. They will also eat the rest of what has escaped what is left from the hail, and they will eat every tree which sprouts from you out of the field. Verse six, then your houses shall be filled in your houses of all your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, something which neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day that they came upon the earth until this day. And he turned and he went out from Pharaoh and Pharaoh's servants said to him, So here's Pharaoh's, all of his yes men. How long will this man be a snare to us? 
Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not realize that Egypt is destroyed? Open your eyes. It's all gone. Yes, the once glory of Egypt has now been destroyed. This once shining light of the glory of man, all the pyramids and the sphinx and all of this wonderfulness of this world governing empire is now laying in rubble. This once empire has now been stripped of all of its man-made beauty, all of its eloquence, all of its grace, all of its majesty. It's like when I was in Rome, me and my son were there a few years ago, and, and that's all that's left there in Rome. Rome was the last world-governing empire, and it's like, what's left in Rome now? Well, it's just fragments of a past kingdom. You know, the Colosseum is there. It's half broken down, and there's other, all these other artifacts, you know, throughout the city, but it's just fragments of what it used to be. That's all that remains of the past glory of the last world-governing empire. And how did it fall? It wasn't conquered. It was because of their own internal corruption that Rome fell. You would think that we would learn something, that humanity would learn from history. But the only thing that humanity learns from history is that they don't learn anything from history. Our own country is falling apart morally the same way that Rome did. And we're doing it from within. Why? Because we've excommunicated God out of this country. And now, instead of trusting in the God that actually founded this country, we trust in science. And of course, that's not working out so good for us. Look at all the political corruption that we have. Can you believe anything that anyone even says anymore? They just cover their own tracks. And what they said six months ago is now something different now. And it just keeps changing and changing and changing. You got to get vaccinated. They're still pushing the vaccination. They just came out with a report last week. Los Angeles health officials said that if you're vaccinated, you are 10% more chance of getting COVID than the unvaccinated. Well, there you go. Something that many of us knew for a long time. But anyway, yes, God confirmed the hardness of Pharaoh's heart. In chapter 9, verse 34, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Why? You know, is he just the most clueless man on planet Earth? Can he see that he's dealing with the God of the universe, the God of all creation? Can he see that he's completely out of his league here? Well, instead of truly repenting, he's allowed his heart to become calloused inside. He's not repenting. Let's not forget, the Egyptians considered the pharaohs to be gods themselves, little g there, but they thought they were gods. Really? Are you serious? And we all know that there is only one God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And the pharaohs were nothing more than mere men. They were flesh and blood, just like, well, you and me. Understand, just because a person is born into a royal family, just because someone's born into a rich family, you know, just because you're born into a family of prestige and, and privilege, it doesn't change that person in the eyes of God because God sees us as all the same because he doesn't just look on the outside, how you're dressed today, how your hair is done. He says in Psalm 139 that he searches us, he explores us, he penetrates past the exterior and he sees everything that's happening on the inside. 
Yes, our gracious Savior is the great leveler. He is the great equalizer. Yet when we're told something long enough, we might just start believing it, just like all the fake news today, believing all of these things. So that's what Pharaoh did. You know, he's believing his own press. For some, they have a greater worth than others. That's how some people feel because of who they are or who they know. We see a lot of that in our world today. You know, what's good for the whole public is not, you know, necessarily the rules that I follow. But we've seen a lot of that in the last couple of years. Well, Pharaoh was not going to bow down to the God of Moses or the God of the Hebrew slaves. He thought he was too good for that. So God said in verse 2, he was making a mockery of the Egyptians so that God's people would know that their God is the only true creator God. He says, I'm going to make a mockery of this world governing empire. I'm going to bring it to its knees and you'll be able to tell your sons and your grandsons and your daughters and your granddaughters forever that I am the Lord God. So God asked Pharaoh a question in verse three. How long will you refuse to humble yourself? Notice it's not that he couldn't humble himself, but rather he refused to humble himself. Don't we see that in people here today? It's not that they can't stop doing something that's wrong. They don't want to stop doing something that's wrong. There's two reasons why people will not go to heaven. One is they've rejected the truth of God's word. They've just completely blown it off. I don't want to hear it and whatever. They just completely, no, God's not real, whatever. I'm blowing it off. But then there's another group of people that believe that God is real. And Jesus talked about them in John chapter three. And it's not that they don't believe that God is real. It's not that they don't believe in Jesus, but they love sin more than they love righteousness. They love the darkness more than the light. And that's why they won't get to heaven. But see, again, he refused to humble himself, meaning Pharaoh was unwilling to comply with God's demands. He denied the request from the God of creation to let his people go. God's ultimatum was simple. Then if you don't listen to me, you will pay a heavy price and you'll be utterly destroyed. And it's the same for salvation with everyone today. You'll either listen to what God says or you won't. And if you won't, then you will face eternal destruction. It's the same principle. God never changes. God told Pharaoh to humble himself, to lower his own opinion of himself, to realize that he wasn't a God, that he was just a mere man. Pharaoh needed to lower himself. The Bible says in James 4.10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and then he will lift you up. Yes, when we humble ourselves before God, when we die to our wants and we die to our desires, when we allow the Lord to work his purpose and his plan in and through us, that's when he will lift us up. That's when God will show himself mighty in our lives. So it doesn't matter if you're rich, doesn't matter if you're poor, doesn't matter if you're beautiful, doesn't matter if you're not as beautiful, it doesn't matter. God says, when you humble yourself before me, I will work in and through your life. And notice how patient God is. He said in verse four, if you refuse to let my people go tomorrow, like I'm gonna give you a little bit of time to think about this. Like maybe you need a half hour to repent here. Maybe you need a couple hours to think about it so you can come back to me. But if you don't, 
know this. Tomorrow is judgment day. It is all going to come down tomorrow. He says, tomorrow locusts will come and eat everything that is left to eat in Egypt. Meaning anything that's green, trees, fruit trees, everything. It's all going to be gone. Vamoose. It'll be history. He says, you got a little bit of time to think about this, but it'll be completely wiped out. So God has given Pharaoh time to think about it. God has given Pharaoh time to repent of his actions. God has given Pharaoh time to humble himself. And when we're sharing with someone and we're starting to, you know, share the things of the Bible with someone that's a non-believer, God is giving them time to listen to you, to think about the things that you're saying. And he also says in Isaiah 55, 11, when you share the truth of God's word, his word goes out and doesn't come back void. So someone could be listening to you as you're sharing Christ and they're like, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. But then God will bring it back to them that night when they're laying in bed, right before they go to sleep. All of a sudden they're just kind of like, man, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if the Bible says it's appointed for every man and woman to die once and after this comes judgment. Man, if that's true, I'm in big trouble. That's what I came to the realization and that's why I gave my life to Christ. Well, it doesn't appear that Pharaoh is listening at all. But verse 7 told us that his servants are starting to listen as they try to reason with their leader. And they said, well, let the men go. But why did they say, only the men. Why did they only comply with just a portion of what God asked for? He said, no, the men, the women, the animals, everything. But they're saying, well, maybe Pharaoh is so hardened and they know that, that they're just trying to get him to compromise with something here. And you know, whatever, I don't know the case because it doesn't tell us. But one thing for sure, these servants know that God is on the move. And that's why they said at the end of verse seven, Pharaoh, walk out, look out the window. Egypt is destroyed. We are destroyed. There's nothing left. The glory has fallen. The beauty is gone. The charm is vaporized. Let's read what he says, picking up in verse 8. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. You know, who are the ones that, you're, that are going? Like, go, go serve. Uh, now, who's actually going here? And Moses says, we shall go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We shall go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, thus may the Lord be with you if ever I let you and your little ones go. What do you mean, if? I thought you were letting us go. Take heed, for evil is in your mind, Moses. Not so. He goes, you're not going anywhere. Go now, the men among you only, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desire. No, that's not actually what they desire. They want everyone. So they were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come up on the land of Egypt and beat every plant of the land, and eat every plant of the land, even all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt and the Lord directed the east wind in the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. The locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled in all the territory of Egypt. They were very numerous. There's never been so many locusts, nor would there ever be again, verse 15, for they covered the surface of the whole land so that the land was darkened and they ate every plant 
of the land and all the fruit trees that the hill had left. Thus, nothing green was left on the tree or the plant or the field through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hurriedly, oh, now he's in a hurry, called for Moses and Aaron and he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and make supplication to the Lord your God that he would only remove this death from me. And he went out from Pharaoh. This is Moses went out from Pharaoh and he made supplication to the Lord. So the Lord shifted the wind to a very strong west wind, which took up all the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not one locust was left in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the sons of Israel go. But notice the compromise plan that they offer God. No, there's no compromise plan here. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.